Hi there, this is Kent Roundy at Utah State, at the Utah State Hospital with USH Med Student, um, working on another podcast. So, uh, same group as uh, just a few minutes ago. Let's have quick introductions. Hi, I'm Nuria. I'm a third year medical student. I'm Natalie Pratt, a fourth year medical student. I'm Brandon Trujillo, a fourth year medical student. So, we, we just finished up the last podcast, and, and I was complaining that I didn't like the way I moderated it, right? that it just felt like it just didn't have enough help regarding depression and the kinds of things you need to see, hear, know about for the shelf exam. And then you guys just started talking. Mm -hmm. Can I get that started again? How how will I do that? (laughs) What can I do to get you guys just talking about exam questions, principles that you feel like show up a lot on the test? Not as much questions, but principles. So you started off. Um, Yeah. Well, you asked me about MAOIs, and so I mentioned that MAOIs are never really the answer choice if they're asking you what to use, but it'll show up as in this patient is taking one and then now they're experiencing side effects. Why? And so that's important to know. And the principle to know is that, uh, what is it, the tryptophan? Tryptamine. It's in uh, wine and cheese and tyrosine. Tyrosine, that's right. It's the aged. It's the product that's found in aged products, right? Mm-hmm. So, all right. So you mentioned another one. Uh, yes, um, bupropion. And what happens with bupropion? Well, there are kind of two things that I two principles program that you need to remember. Number one is that I believe it's also indicated for smoking cessation. Mm-hmm. So patients who are depressed and smoke that might be a better answer than SSRI. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that in patients with anorexia and bulimia, their seizure threshold is um, lowered, and bupropion also los- lowers your seizure threshold. So in those patients, if they have depression, bupropion is not the right answer because it could precipitate seizures, which is not what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Considering that came out of a study of like 20 people, 30 people, that has really had a profound effect on test question. Oh, yeah. Over the years, because that was a big question when I was a student as well, uh, four or five years ago. Uh, 24, 25 <laughs> years ago. Um, all right, so another question, another principle that pops up a lot. Right, so um, sometimes SSRIs or other depression treatments have side effects that can be used to your advantage or disadvantage. For example, uh, if you have a patient who has struggle gaining weight or falling asleep, mirtazapine is a good option. Um, it causes weight gain and sleepiness. Right. Lots of weight gain. Mm-hmm. Knowing the side effects of medications is really important because you can use the side effects to your advantage. All right. So what other um, medications have side effects that you can use to their advantage? All right. I have a list here from going through um, a certain Q-Bank. I won't name which one. Um, so duloxetine, I wrote, is good for diabetic neuropathy. Mm-hmm. So. So it has an FDA indication for diabetic neuropathy, right? Mm-hmm. And an, an FDA approval for treatment of depression. Mm-hmm. So if those two line up, a better answer is duloxetine than any other treatment of depression. Correct. Um, I have another one, venlafaxine. This one has hypertension as a side effect. So if your patient already has high blood pressure, you don't want to use that one. Okay. Um, Let's see, MAOIs, Nuria mentioned that you get neuroleptic malignant syndrome. Yeah, so that I think is. we already talked about with, with Which one is that? Uh, MAOIs. Oh, not, not neuroleptic malignant syndrome. That's with antipsychotics. I think you're oh, talking okay. about uh, uh, 
hypertensive crisis. Okay. Is it malignant hypertension? Maybe that one. I've only ever heard of that referred to with anesthesia. I definitely have hypertension on this. Yeah, it's so. it's it's malignant hyperthermia. I thought with. Oh, well. All I, right, we'll have I'm, to look that up. All right, we're going to add that to after in our <laughs> notes, right? But the point is that if you have that uh, the tyramine, tyros, tyramine, tyrosine, 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 mm-hmm. if you have uh, if you're eating H products with your MAOIs, and you have that uh, hypertensive crisis, maybe malignant. Hypertension. We're waiting to. Right. We'll, we'll find it out. So you got to watch out for that. Um, for so comorbid condition is another thing that we have to watch out for, yes. right? And you would see that with Effexor also, right? The problem with comorbidities. I'm sorry. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. We already mentioned the comorbidity of hypertension mm-hmm. with venlafaxine. We have to talk about diet and MAOIs. And then mm-hmm. go ahead. All right. Um, just one last one on tricyclics. Apparently, can cause seizures and cardiac delay. So just recognize that there's a little bit of a cardio aspect to that as well. A good call. And then I think you want to go over treatment time. That's also high yield for how long you should commit to a treatment for depression. That's, That's a good that point. That comes up on boards all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even you know, treating depression, if you find something that works, once remission is started, you can't just come off of the medications because there's a very high likelihood that another episode of depression will follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess another thing that shows up on... What is the... I've oh. seen different numbers for how long you keep somebody on an antidepressant. Um, six months a year for the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a second episode, maybe you don't stop antidepressants. But that's that's what I think I understand from the literature. What is it that, that seems to be the test question answers? Well, I have in my notes six months, and for chronic depression, one to three years. One to three years, okay. So, but that's just for that one Q bank. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's probably still within the realm, though. That sounds mm-hmm. that being aware that it's okay to take an antidepressant off. I think multiple episodes, then they stop talking about not coming off. But maybe a mm-hmm. second episode, one to three years. Right. That sounds right. And then third episode might be a lifetime that you're on antidepressant medications. Potentially, yeah. What other kinds of things show up about or treatment of depression? You mentioned something earlier that's not a pharmacological approach, I think. Oh, um, ECT, indications oh, right, for ECT. Right, right, yeah. Sorry, I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> well, yeah. you mentioned it. I was, uh, I was, uh, <laughs> that does show up, and the indication that it shows up is someone who's you know, acutely suicidal or not eating. You need... You need remission or at least some amount of remission right now you can't wait the weeks for medications to work let's let's say that with the caveat that there's a possibility the answer to that question could change very soon right with the new Spravato uh, which is the esketamine which is the branded version of esketamine right I, I don't anticipate that it shows up immediately in the test questions or in the in the exams that are testing your knowledge of a, after a rotation but at some point it will yeah, ketamine is not showing up on them right now. Not at all, I would think. So especially since it just barely got some of the indications, that like uh, acute suicidality as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody who's suicidal, somebody who's acutely uh, depressed, mm-hmm. ECT. Mm-hmm. Anything else along those lines? Well, along the lines of SSRIs and depression, if you are going to be switching from an SSRI to something else, 
you need to make sure you have a, like a weaning off period. You can't just stop that medication right away. Mm-hmm. That, that does show up on exams as well. I think the one that's the tricky one is uh, fluoxetine, right? Oh, yeah. You have to remember that fluoxetine has this crazy long half-life. Uh-huh. And that's the one that gets you in trouble. So if you're starting an MAOI and you're stopping an SSRI, there seems to be some risk of overlap with serotonin syndrome, right? And so to avoid serotonin syndrome risks, you have the SSRI out of your system or the SNRI out of your system before you start um, the, the monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So Prozac will cause problems there. Other things that show up on the tests that you can think of. Well, speaking of fluoxetine, I think for the PEDS shelf, it's important to know that that's the first line for pediatric depression. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's true. So well, that's yeah, the answer choice or the explanation will always say that it's the only FDA-approved mm -hmm. medication for pediatric depression. Though, in my clinics, I've seen other things used. Yeah. In the exam world, that's the only thing that's used. I think the data is actually best for that as well. Okay. Um, so the other, the other one that's, uh, I think has an FDA approval for adolescents is fluvoxamine for OCD, right? But that's not really mood and depression. It's also an SSRI that has maybe some unique activity that, is, that makes it stand out from others. Um, we've completely skipped one whole class of treatments that, that I think show up on exams. The therapies? Oh, yeah. Cognitive therapy, right? Cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> and there's, there's several types of therapy, right? But for exam world, the only one that matters is CBT. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be, the, I mean, there's so many articles written about CBT. There's, <laughs> there's just this un, uh, unbelievable amount of literature that's been published on the use of CBT in so many uh, depressive popu in populations with depressive symptoms, I should say. So, so that's a great answer. Um, and, and I think maybe the thing that seems to get most students through is cognitive behavioral therapy as a way of identifying um, cognitive distortions that every people, everybody holds them, right? Mm -hmm. And checking the facts about those to find more accurate cognitive thoughts that seem to change your mood over time. Is that a reasonable way of thinking about it? Mm -hmm. You have a better way? No. I thought you might. I was hoping you did, because <laughs> mine kind of got lost there. <laughs> the way it was once explained to me uh -huh. by a therapist is that for depression, people who are depressed have like negative thinking, mm -hmm. and it's like a closed loop. And the idea is that the purpose of the therapy is to break the loop and to build a different loop that's not as negative. And over time, you can re you retrain yourself to not get stuck in the negative spiral thinking that makes you depressed. I think it's worth pointing out that uh, it's not just breaking negative loops, it's th those loops are, are also typically very inaccurate, right? So it's these um, inaccurate cognitions that we hold yeah. that we can, we can actually replace those with more accurate cognitions that, that seem to be mood changing. Um, I don't think exercise shows up on the shelf exam. I don't think uh, light therapy shows up unless there's a, a, a question about uh, depressive disorder with seasonal component, and I don't think those show up. Be careful because there's not a seasonal affective disorder in the DSM, but I'm not sure about the ICD-9. I don't know if the tests come from the DSM or the ICD-9, um, but it doesn't sound like that looks, I'm, I'm not seeing any looks on your eyes that say that uh, seasonal affective disorder is something that shows up. 
I've seen, I think, light therapy and study materials, but it's for sleep disorders, not for depression. Interesting. Hmm. Like, and I've seen it for treatment of, like, uh, shift work and, like, delayed sleep phase. You certainly see it in clinic. That's, that's not that uncommon to find seasonal mood changes and the physicians you're under trying to manage them. And it's kind of like a moving target because it's better, it's worse, it's better, it's worse, yeah. yeah. Oh, th that reminds me, there's one other question that seemed to show up a lot when I was going through, and that was... Um, uh, trazodone. That helps, that helps people sleep. <laughs> <laughs> FDA approved for um, depression and then a side effect you have to watch out for, right? Yep. Everybody knows that one. Nobody, everybody here is blushing, so we'll just leave that one alone. <laughs> I'm blank right now. I can't think no, of I know it. That's, uh, why, that's why oh, people switch oh, from I know. that to bupropion. Okay, that's why everyone's laughing. <laughs> right, because of the problems with priapism, right? Right. Uh, I think it's uh, under 1%. But it um, does show up on the shelf. I've seen but that, that is going to show up on the shelf. What I don't know if is if it's management of the condition, right, or if it's just recognition or if it's the ability to provide informed consent. Um, so I, I don't know how it shows up, what the stem would look like. It's only just recognition. They don't say what else you should do next. So, okay. From what I've seen. So it would be something along the lines of somebody shows up at the emergency room with, uh, with an erection that has lasted however many hours to meet mm -hmm. criteria for priapism. What is the likely culprit? Is that the kind of question that would show up? I think so. Or it'd be like they're taking this medication and they just straight up say what's the side effect that could happen. Okay. So it's pretty first order. All right. Uh, do they ever ask things like headaches, sexual side effects beyond the priapism with trazodone, or um, like tolerability questions for antidepressants? I think I've had questions while practicing about sexual dysfunction and SSRIs, mm -hmm. where you'll have like a patient who is on an SSRI and he comes back in and sexual dysfunction is occurring and they're like unhappy about it and then. I believe the correct course is they talk about switching medications at that point. My understanding is it's usually a switch to either mirtazapine or to bupropion. I think bupropion is what I saw. Yeah. All right, any other things that are coming to your minds, high yield kinds of principles, concepts that seem to be tested a lot with depression? Um, I know we talk about it a lot in other podcasts, but Siggy Caps, since we're talking about depression. I just, know those just know backwards it. And <laughs> backwards and forwards, Sleep right? Sleep interest, guilt. Energy, energy concentration appetite psychomotor suicide there you go five out of eight five out of eight is it eight or nine eight, eight. all right I thought <laughs> I was just I, uh, very good 14 minutes I think that's kind of the target time and I think this is kind of what I have envisioned like maybe not as many of these just rapid-fire pearls but with a little luck uh, and if uh, we have other students that end up listening to these kinds of podcasts we can try and, and focus it to have a content about going to the rabbit holes which are about treatment in the area that you're interested in in the future, right? You guys are going into primary care. We talked about um, about treatment-resistant depression uh, in the last podcast. We're opening up that that up to the different way that we would tackle that algorithmically in the next podcast. But but somewhere in there, we need to figure out more ways to throw in pearls, right? Mm -hmm. Have it so that students feel really comfortable going. Yeah, by the way, here's the important pearl in here, and and so. Yeah, with a little luck, we'll get there eventually. We're only, uh, you know, like 15, 20 podcasts in now, so we're still learning. On that note, guys, thank you so much for being here, and uh, team, team out. out. Team out. <laughs>